your Bibles, open them up to Exodus chapter 3. I have a powerful word for us today. I believe it's a right now word for us here. For all those who are here, those watching online around the world right now. Today I want to talk about something that has the power to delay, hinder, or even prevent us from fulfilling our God-given destiny on this earth. You notice, I touch, the Holy Spirit's having me touch that a lot, isn't he? Seems like I'm opening with that, that phrase a lot. But, it, but that's what we need to focus on. Those things that are going to kick us out of the will of God. Amen? I want to talk about excuses. Say excuses. Oh, man. Excuses are a verbal, listen to this, the Holy Spirit showed me this. Excuses are a verbal manifestation of what the enemy is throwing into your thought life. Excuses are a verbal manifestation of the fiery darts that the enemy's throwing into your thought life. The title of my message this morning, very simple. No more excuses. No more excuses. Listen to this. When God got Moses' attention with the burning bush, he called him to the task of leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. You remember that? All right. In response, Moses, oh Moses, say oh Moses. He gave some excuses to God, to God of why he should not be the one to be used in that. In a similar way as God's people today, we have been called by God to lead others out of bondage. Amen. Every Christian has the responsibility to minister to people. The people where in your life right now, where you're working right now, everywhere you go, everybody in here has a sphere of influence. Amen? And we are expected to influence that sphere. All right? So we are called to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Heal the sick, cast out demons. But too often, we behave like Moses, don't we? Say Moses. Oh man. We behave like Moses and we try to use excuses of why God should not use us. Before getting into that, let's refresh our memory of the calling of Moses. Look at Exodus 3 verse 1 here. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. I like that. It reminds me of us when we receive Holy Ghost baptism and fire. Man, the fire's burning, but it doesn't consume us. Amen? Amen? Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the, the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, 
So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of sites. Now, therefore, that's a lot of parasites, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I know that was lengthy, but man, that's needful. I love how the Word of God says that the bush was burning. I just love that. We need to be on fire. We need to be on fire for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. But I want you to notice something here. And let's straighten our thinking out about this. Because many people, when they think about the call of God on their life, oh, they think it's just for them. It's kind of, they kind of use it as a selfish thing. But I want you to notice in verse 7 through 9, that the calling is a blessing to others and not yourself. Did you notice that? The call of God is for you to minister to others. Listen to this. Obedience to your God-given calling is an answer to someone's prayer and need. Did you see that? The children of Israel cried out to God and God said, I heard them. But you know what? What I find interesting, God still needed Moses. Oh, but God doesn't need me. He, if he wants something done, he can just do it himself. We, he doesn't even need human. No, he called Moses to do this thing. Are you following me? See, the calling is much bigger than you and I. This is about others and about you being used to be an answer to someone else's prayer. So let's talk about the five excuses that Moses used to avoid his calling, okay? Listen to this. All right. The first excuse that Moses used was, who am I? Look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. All right. And it says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Look at verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Israel, you shall serve God on this mountain. So though Moses, Moses, by the way, was once a ruling member in the house of Egypt. You know, he was part of that royalty. All right. But now he was a lowly shepherd. So God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Have you ever heard that before? Amen. Forty years had now passed since Moses was in Egypt. He was now 80 years old, and this prompted Moses to to question God and say, God, am I even the right person for this job? He was 80 years old. Let me tell you something right now. Age is not a disqualifier for your heavenly calling. Age is never an excuse to not fulfill the call of God on your life. Say, age isn't the question. Come on. God's response was quick and should have been adequate enough for Moses, but it wasn't. He said this. He said, I will certainly be with you. 
I will certainly be with you. And now think about all the promises we have in, the, in God's word where he says he's going to be with us, but we just kind of neglect it. We are, I'm telling you right now, we are closer to Moses than what you think. All the promises that are in the word that God says, I am going to be with you. But we just kind of, you know, we, it, it's always we turn in instead of looking out to God. Amen. We as Christians are too dependent upon our own abilities instead of relying on the power of God. Now, 1 Corinthians 2.5, this is one of my favorite verses ever. 1 Corinthians 2.5 says this, That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I love that. See, you all have faith in something today. You know that, right? You have faith in something. You just better make sure it better be faith in God. Sometimes it's faith in yourself. Sometimes it's faith in the government. God forbid. Come on, somebody. Amen. But you have faith in something. You better make sure it's in the right thing. All right? We all have a belief system on the inside of us. All right? So sometimes we have to disconnect our natural mind, meaning that our natural mind that part of us that has to figure everything out in the natural realm. How many of you have a problem with that? Where we, before you do something, man, you have to have it all planned out and figured out. No, 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 no. We got to say, I got to disconnect from that. See, whether you have a college degree or not has nothing to do with it. If you are called by God, he will supply you with what you need to be effective for him. Amen. See, it's a heavenly equipping. It's a heavenly equipping of what we need. This whole calling thing it is... Now, there's nothing wrong with Bible school and that. We're not saying that. But I'm saying this. If I had a choice between Bible school for four years or the anointing of the Holy Ghost, guess, guess what I'm going to pick? The anointing of the Holy Ghost. Now, so Smith Wigglesworth, how many of you know who that is? Amen. He was an uneducated plumber that simply had an encounter with the power of God and received the Holy Spirit baptism. And that man of God, he raised people from the dead, healing of the sick. I mean, everywhere he went to preach and teach, there was a boldness upon him. And he was uneducated. He was an uneducated plumber. But man, he had, I mean, he is in the history books. Are you following me? Now, look how God used the, uh, the disciples. Look at Acts 4.13. Look at this. Acts 4.13. I love this verse here. You know why? Because it gives me hope. It gives all the body of Christ hope. Look at this. It said, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Your education has nothing to do with it. Your, your status in society has nothing to do about it. If you're, The only thing that your calling hinges on is you being obedient to the Holy Ghost and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen? That is the key, spending time with Jesus. And listen to this. You're saying, some say, well, how can I spend time with Jesus, right? No, you're spending time with Jesus every time you read and study God's Word. When you pray, when you attend a, a Bible-believing church, a service, you are spending time with Jesus when you're doing that. 
you got to get that on the inside of you. Amen? Amen? So God promised to be with Moses, but the excuses didn't stop there. He keeps on going. The second excuse that he used was this. What shall I say? What shall I say? Go back to Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I want you to notice God doesn't say the I was. He is the I am because he is present in your life. Whatever you're going through right now, he is the I am. What do you need me to be? Do you need me to be your peace? I am. Do you need me to be your healer? I am. What do you need from him? He is. Amen. So Moses knew that if he went to liberate the children of Israel, there were, uh, there were bound to be questions, right? And, and so who is this God that sent you? Who are you, right? Come on, somebody. Don't we think the same thing when we go to minister to someone, when we try to go out and evangelize someone, someone says, well, who in the heck are you? Who do you think you are, right? But Moses was afraid of not having the answer. Well, let me just tell you this. If everyone had that fear, nobody would pastor. You want to, you'd, be, you'd get a kick out of all the questions that come a pastor's way, right? And I'll be honest. If I don't know an, uh, the answer, I just tell you, hmm, I don't know. I'll look it up. I'm, I'll pray about it. I'll get back with you, right? We don't need to know everything. Are you following me? But to eradicate that excuse, God, man, God's merciful. He goes ahead and tells Moses what to say to them, all right? So we, we get so worked up. We get nervous about what we're going to say. You know what we need to give people? The word of the living God. That's what we need to give them. The word of God, by the way, is the only thing that's going to liberate people anyways. Amen? Have, have your speech seasoned with the Word of God. Now, you don't, you don't have to go up and speak a you know, verse, oh, 2 Timothy 1, 7, blah, blah, and speak. No, no, no. Just make sure your, your words are in line with the Word of God. If, the, if your words are in line with what the Word says, the anointing's on it. And it's going to prick the heart of the people. It's going to be like a key. You're going to have a key. When the anointing is present and you're ministering to someone, you, the Holy Spirit gives you the key to their heart to unlock it. Are you following me? That's why sometimes when people are up for altar calls and there's a word of prophecy or whatever, that, that prophetic word is like a key to their heart. They've been hardened for years, and all of a sudden when that's spoken under the anointing, their heart opens up. Are you following me? That's why we are to desire to prophesy. That's why the word says desire, because prophecy is inspired utterance from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it manifests in a service, like you hear people yelling out, you know, a word from the Lord. And sometimes it manifests just as a one-on-one conversation. You following me? Desire to prophesy. Why? Because there's no power in our own wisdom. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? See, we need to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. He's the one called alongside to help us. And to be able to do that, you have to position yourself to be used by Him. See, you need to step out of your boat and get out of your comfort zone. You know, a lot of people want to say, well, I'm not, God, show me exactly what I need to do. When you show me every step, when you give me every word I need to say, then I'll do it. 
God says, no, 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 that's not the deal. No, no, there needs to be a willingness on the inside of you. I'm telling you right now, the one thing the enemy is always trying to cripple in a person is their willingness to serve and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If he can cripple that on the inside of you, the enemy has a field day in your life. Amen? All right, so we need to believe and trust that God knows what what he's doing by using you. You understand that? When God taps you on the shoulder, he knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. You don't think that he didn't know that Moses was a bumbling fool? Come on, somebody. He knew it. He 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 knows it all. He knows all of our weaknesses. So guess what? He still taps you on the shoulder and says, I want to use you. Man, that's good, isn't it? Man, I love that. So, again, it wasn't good enough for God to tell Moses in advance what to say. So, guess what? More excuses. The third excuse that Moses used was this. Suppose they will not believe me. They won't believe me. All right, look at four one Exodus 4.1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Now, so now that Moses knows what to say, he balks at the idea that people won't listen to him. Man, oh man, listen to this. The results are not up to us. You understand that? We got to get this in our thick skulls right now. And it's got to get in our thought life and drop down into our spirit right now. The results, when you minister to someone, has nothing to do with you. All right? Fear of rejection is running wild among Christians. Christians, I said it last week and I'll continue to say it. Christians, we are addicted to acceptance. And that is what's led into the seeker-sensitive movement. Oh, people are going to be offended. They're not going to come back to the church if I say this. So we're just going to pull this little thing out. We're going to doctor it up right here. Good. There. Okay. But it waters down the message. We're not supposed to do that. Amen? Moses was afraid of failing. He's already disregarded God's promise of being with, you know, being with him in the midst of this thing. But you still must choose to have faith. Faith is a, it's a free will thing. When God commands us to have faith, it means our free will is involved in that. Amen? How easy it is for us to disregard God's promises. See, that's where you're in the flesh or in the spirit. We're, you know, we're kind of jumping in and out, right? We have faith for some things, but then God calls us to do something else. And, well, that's a little out of the comfort zone. We're not going to go there, God, right? All right. So, again, this proves to get over fear is an act of our free will, all right? Many times we want to wait until fear leaves us before we do something. Are you following me? We want to wait. We're always waiting for that perfect moment of when that fear is no longer there and you feel good. But guess what? I'm here to tell you right now, it may not leave. Do it afraid. Do it. Say, I'm going to do it afraid. Do it afraid. And then you'll find out when you step out of that boat. And you, you don't think Peter was afraid stepping out of that boat? Come on, somebody. With those winds and that storm. But he did it afraid. Say, I'm going to do this thing afraid. And when you do, that's when the ability of the Holy Ghost kicks in. Are you following me? So don't wait 
Don't wait for the fear not to be there because I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It might not leave until you step out of that boat. Now, so you might do something nervous. Let it be, let it go. Because remember, it's a fight between your head and your heart. It's always a fight between your head and your heart. And that fear, you've got to determine. Number one, if you feel that check, here's where you got to determine, is this a check in my spirit not to go forward from the Holy Ghost? Or is this my head throwing fear in? What is it? Come on, amen? I mean, that's the biggest battle that we have, amen? So look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to show you something here. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I know, I know. It, 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 you don't like to hear it, but sometimes you just got to do it afraid. You got to obey. See, Moses was afraid. You seen this fear all over him here? That's why he's given all these excuses. Do it afraid. 2 Timothy 1. Let's start with, I know most people just, uh, you know, pull out verse 7 part. But I want to give you the whole context of, of what this is saying here. Um, 2 Timothy 1, 5. Look at this. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first, first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. See, there's not only generational curses, but there's generational blessings too. Isn't that good? Verse 6. Therefore, I remind you, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Here's the one that everyone pulls out. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. He's talking about persecution. All right, According to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But has now been revealed, to, uh, been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher... Uh, which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that, that which I have committed to him that day. Now, I know that's long, but the whole context of that God has not given you a spirit of fear is in the context of this operating in your calling. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. I'm, I don't care. Listen, I, I could never, when I was back in high school and even a little after that, it, me getting up in front of people, I would stutter. I would sweat. I mean, I would nearly pass out. I would never be able to do this right now. But the anointing. Say, but the anointing. The anointing. When I stepped out to do it afraid, guess what? He shows up. Amen. So God responds by equipping Moses with several convincing proofs, all right, and signs. Remember the rod that turns into a serpent. Drop. What's in your hand, Moses? A rod. Drop it. Turned into a snake, all right? His hand. Put it in your, in your coat. 
and it pulls it out. It's leprosy. Put it back in. It's made whole. The blood, uh, the water turning into blood. So God gave Moses even supernatural signs. Say signs. Say wonders. I love the fact that God permitted signs to be done to confirm that he was the one that sent Moses. How many of you know someone's saying, yeah, but that's the Old Testament. Go with me to Mark chapter 16. How many of you know that God has promised in the New Testament to confirm with signs following? And I want to prove it here. My goodness. Yeah, but... James, God doesn't do all that today. Oh, really? Well, let's read this right here in the New Testament books. Ready for this? Mark 16, 15 through 20. Here it goes. And he, Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, underline it, signs, will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. This is all in connection to God calling us to do the work of the gospel. And God says, if you go out and you believe I'm with you, these signs will be following you. It will be a sign to all around. Demons will manifest. They will come out. You will lay hands on the sick, man. They're going to recover. You're going to speak with new tongues. Come on, somebody. Even if you're in the midst of preaching the gospel, someone tries to give you something poisonous. He said, you're going you're to drink it. You're not even knowing it's poisonous. And I'm going to protect you supernaturally. Now, some idiots in the body of Christ have taken it wrong. And they're, they're doing snake handling. And they're drinking. Give me a break. We don't tempt God. This is all in as we go forward in faith with God in preaching the gospel. And someone tries to trip us up. Are you hearing me, somebody? But that, nevertheless, these are signs. God is still a God of signs and wonders today to point to the fact that he has sent us to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, many Christians hesitate. They hesitate to share the gospel, pursue ministry, or obey God for one reason, the fear of failure. Man, how sad. Remember, people are waiting on you to preach the gospel. I don't want to go to heaven one day and say, and have the Lord say, you know that fear that prevented you from going to this place and preaching or doing something? Five people are in hell because you didn't do it. Oh my, can you imagine that? Horrible. See, again, it's not up to us whether the people we minister to believe it or not. It is our job to obey God and give them the word of God. It's our job. Come on, listen to this. It's our job to sow seeds. Listen to this. It's our job to deliver the package. It's other people's job to receive it. Are you following me? When that UPS or FedEx driver comes up to your door and they say, will you sign for this? You can sign and receive or you can reject. You're simply that FedEx or UPS driver for God. Are you following me, somebody? See, this needs to take the pressure off of you a little bit because it's up to people and what they do with it. Amen? Amen? It's not even our job to get people healed. Do you know that? It's our job to lay hands on the sick, pray for them, and let them and the Holy Ghost work it out between themselves. Hello? 
Hello, somebody. You are the carrier of the package. Deliver it. And let them and the Holy Ghost work it out. Now, so by now you would think that Moses would accept the call of God on his life, right? Eh, No, a fourth excuse follows. The fourth excuse that Moses used is this. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Look at this. Uh, Exodus 4, verses 10. Exodus 4, 10. Man, he just won't stop. This guy though, huh? This guy. Exodus 4, 10 through 12. Look at this. Then Moses said to the Lord, "Oh Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. I have not been to seminary. I have... <laughs> oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Whoa. Or who makes the mute, who makes the deaf, the seeing, the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. So Moses, what, he was not an eloquent speaker, but God removed that excuse too because he allowed Aaron to be Moses' mouthpiece. Now, I want to tell you this. God's perfect will was not for Aaron to do that. The perfect will was for Moses to say, I'm going to do this. Are you following me? God knew everything about Moses before he called him. But I love this, that God is able to pick up the slack where we lack. He's able to fill the gap. Our God is a God of provision. He provides for the vision. I love that. Don't you love that? If God's calling you to do something, he's going to equip you for it. Amen? We need to fully rely on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So yes, so God arranged... For Aaron to be Moses' mouthpiece. By the way, did you know, how many of you know who Benny Hinn is? Benny Hinn, I don't know if you ever heard his testimony. He's preached uh, probably billions around the globe. But he said he had a horrible stuttering speech impediment when he was younger. And God healed him when he called him into ministry. And he's preached to billions around the world. I love that story. See, the Apostle Paul understood the importance of relying on God's help and not his own ability. I know I read verse 5 earlier, but go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. See, are you finding out that, no, that God has an answer for every excuse that Moses gave? God has an, ex, an answer for every excuse that you give to God. You know that? Here we go. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. He said, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in in fear. There it is. Wow. Even the apostle Paul had fear, ladies and gentlemen. And God used him to do many signs, wonders, and miracles and preach the kingdom of God. I was in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's what we need today. Seeker-sensitive messages, all they are is human wisdom. We need the Spirit and power. Amen? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
So, the four excuses led up to the main point that Moses was trying to get across to God. The last and final excuse that Moses gave to God was this. Please, send whomever else you may send. Why couldn't he just started with that? Come on, what are you wasting our time here, Moses? Amen? Look at this. Uh, Exodus 4, verse 13. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. The main hindrance Moses was dealing with was this fear of failure and insecurity. Anybody ever here deal with insecurity? Lord, I'm not good enough. Get over it. Get over it. We need to know our identity in Christ. If you have insecurity, you're looking too much at yourself and not on Him. Come on, somebody. Amen. Fear, listen to this. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me this morning when I was reading over my message. He wanted me to write this down and share it. Fear and insecurity is not humility. Oh, come on. God, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not good enough. You think you're being humble. That's false humility. It's trash. It's rubbish. Are you hearing me? Moses simply did not want to go. He did not want to accept the call of God on his life. And finally, after five excuses, God begins to get angry at Moses. Look, it said, the word of God says that God is slow to anger. Say, my God is slow to anger. It doesn't say he'll never get angry. It said he's slow to it. But it took five excuses and finally God says, all right, Moses, stop this junk. Exodus 4, verse 14 through 17. Look at this. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. Again, I don't believe that was the perfect will of God. God wanted Moses to say, yes, sir, I'll do it. Amen? But he provided a provision. Amen? And he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall, and you shall take his rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. So God lays it right out to Moses and said, guess what? You're going to do this thing. God was not letting go. Moses ran out of excuses and God still said, Moses, whatever excuse you gave me, it's not good enough. Guess what? You're still the man for the job. Here's what you got to understand. The gifts and the calling of God on your life, it never leaves. Did you know that? That's why you got backslidden Christians right now who are miserable. They can't, they can't even experience a false peace. You want to know why? Because they tasted of the heavenly gift. The call of God came, and they're rejecting it. Come on, somebody. Backslidden Christians are some of the most miserable Christians emotionally ever. You ever met a backslidden Christian? They're pretty miserable. You'd rather be around unsaved person in a bar, right? I mean, come on, somebody, right? No, don't go to a bar. I'm not saying that. Well, I'm, I'm just proving a point. I'm proving a point. My point is they're miserable because the call of God keeps, keeps someone in here has the same thing. 
Someone in here has the same thing. You feel the tug. You feel the call of God on your life. And you're miserable. You're running from it. Christians, don't fight against the will of God. Don't fight against the call of God for your life. It's a wonderful feeling to know you're in the perfect will of God for your life. In fact, it's an honor for God to tap you on the shoulder and say, go into the enemy's camp. What an honor that is. Amen? I I feel it's an honor to be up here, to be able to talk to people about the Word of God, to minister to them. It is an absolute honor that I'll never take for granted. Amen? But any excuse that you can come up with to not obey God is not valid in the courts of heaven. God has a reason for calling you. You are his chosen vessel. Everybody, I don't care, everybody has a call in this place. Are you following me? We need to be ready to obey God instantly. Be ready in season. Be ready out of season. We must learn to trust Him. Come on, we need to trust Him. And remember this. You've got to understand this. When I said this before, but we have so many new faces. Listen to this. When the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder for a mission, not only is He calling you to do something, but the timing is crucial. Have you ever heard the phrase, delayed Delayed obedience is disobedience. Have you heard that? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Why? Because now your delay is out of the timing of God. When he taps you on that shoulder, it means right now he wants you to do something. Come on, when you feel that prompting on the inside, it's the timing and method. You need timing and method, and they both come from hearing from the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit has perfect timing for everything. Don't question Him. I I, I found this out. The Holy Ghost doesn't need our human wisdom to help Him out. He doesn't need it. He knows everything. He is the greatest dispatcher in the universe. He knows the right timing. And when He's tapping you to do something, do it now because something's about ready to break out. Amen? So we need to have the same attitude as the prophet Isaiah and say, God, here I am, send me. I want to encourage everyone in here, stop fighting God. Stop fighting Him, okay? He knows, he knows who you are. He created you. He has the perfect call on your life. He's going to equip you, amen? And we know the rest of the story. Moses, of course, went on to obey God and he delivered the children of Israel out of bondage. But what about you? What's the rest of your story? Will you heed the call of God to preach, teach, and minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to others? Or will will your life be filled with excuses and you'll never enter into the will of God for your life? You are important to the plan of God. You have an influence everywhere you go. We talked about that in the men's ministry, didn't we? Yesterday, everywhere you go, you have influence. And we need to use that influence for the Lord Jesus Christ. So church, we need to repent. I just want to encourage all of us. Let's repent of all the excuses we have ever used to avoid the will of God in our life, the call of God on our life. And we are all called to do something. Let's get busy doing it. No more excuses. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. I'm done. I'm done with excuses. God's done with them. Amen? Amen. Remember, he's slow to anger. Some people read that, that God never gets angry. Come on, somebody. Oh, no, no, no. God has emotions. That's why he's a person. He has a mind, will, and what? Emotions. Now, maybe there's someone in this place 
You have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Listen, you don't know if you, when you're going to take your last breath. I wish I could say you're going to live till you're 80, 90, 100, but you know what? We just can't say that. And if you're in this place, you're feeling that tug of the Holy Ghost. I want you to come forward and I want to pray with you to get born again today. Now, maybe you're in this place. Maybe you're one that's been fighting the will of God. You've been, man, you've been fighting him tooth and nail. In fact, you didn't have five excuses. You had about 10 or 15, all right? Well, you know what? Now's the time to say, Lord, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to rededicate my life to you. And I want to be used by you. I'm done being miserable emotionally. I want to be in your perfect will. If you want to rededicate your life and you're ready to take the call of God on, I want you to come forward this morning. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. You need it. If you want to learn more, come forward this morning. All right? Maybe uh, you need prayer for healing, emotional healing, a family member, whatever it is. I will stay here as long as I can. All right? As long as I'll stay here all day and pray for people. I don't care. But just come forward. The rest of you, uh, thank you so much for coming. Visitors, we love you. Uh, There's a visitor's card behind uh, the pew if you want to fill that out. Put it in the suggestion box in the back there. Um, But no more excuses, amen? Amen. And don't let the news, don't let anybody get you down. You keep your head up and you keep your your head in the Word of God, amen? amen? Yes.